All right, there we go. Beautiful. <sighs> All right, this is Brett. This is uh, John. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Rob. Perfect. Uh, and welcome to episode two of As Yet To Be Named podcast. I hate all of this already. Great. Things are wonder- going smoothly. So first off, we're going to talk about Rick Scott, the uh, Nosferatu of Florida. So Stop. You're, stop. You're turning me on too much. How did you know those were my phrases? <laughs> I feel like I never told you that and somehow you figured it out. And now we got a whole other issue to reconcile. Listen, we can work through that. I'm open to all sorts of kinks. So this came from, and this is another weird 2018 thing, the Young Turks have a good journalist investigative arm now? Sure. I like the Young Turks. What's wrong with the Young Turks? I do too, but I always thought they were commentary, not actual journalists. And this no, I mean they're pretty good. Like Jordan's a good reporter. He also may or may not sexually assault people. Like he's got (laughs) a lot going on. But that's a normal media thing. He spends a lot of time at pipelines, and you know that's reporting. So don't worry about it. I mean, he spent more time in Detroit than just about anyone. That's true. Or or not Detroit, Flint. God. Detroit. uh, Yeah. Yeah, you fucked up there. I'm sorry. Yeah, I fucked up. I'm gonna have to do, just go ahead. To, there's like, a red edit this X. whole chunk out. There's a red X on the top right. Go ahead and just click that, and oh. uh, let me know how it sounds. <laughs> don't worry. I'll be making. I'll be making those mistakes constantly. It's really great for podcasting. You know. Yeah, Not me. Don't worry. Not me, baby. Rob, Rob it's gets all named right clean. the first time every time. First time every time. Clean ass Rob. That's what they call. That's what that's what that ah that isn't what you were talking about earlier. Nah, no one knows what you're talking about though. So still in the clear. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, so the Young Turks discovered love them, love them. In 2016, Rick Scott was running a pro-Trump super PAC, and as you know, well, or some of you know, he's also running Florida as a governor. But at this time, he don't assume anyone knows what's going on in that's Florida, true. other than a man fucking alligator on bath salts people so, passively assume that's going on but beyond that their internalized oh yeah, knowledge is not great florida man tweets are definitely their number one export oh, yeah bad. so you know but there's also bad things that florida do so <laughs> uh so rick scott was running florida the state of florida and this pro trump super PAC and they took a $500,000 donation, the Super PAC did, from a private equity firm called Cerberus. You know, Cerberus, 300 Dog of the Underworld, bad guys in Mass Effect 1 and 3, <sighs> kind of sort of allies in Mass Effect 2. Great name. Ugh. No, no can, can just one? I'm sorry. Can just one like hedge fund or finance group not have a name that is directly pulled from Dungeons & Dragons 3rd edition? That would be great <laughs> for me personally if that could happen. But continue. Uh, so they donated half a million to the Super PAC. And then a week later, the SBA, which is this uh, fund that manages the state's investments of Florida. So basically all the pension funds, all the pension funds in Florida made $200 million commitment to the fund. Uh, and in case you're curious, that's a super high fee, super high risk fund. So of course. They invested a huge amount of state pensions into this fund right after they gave money to the super PAC. And then after the money went in to the uh, investment fund, they turned around and donated some more to the super PAC, to Rick Scott's particular super PAC a few weeks later. So things are going great. And here's my favorite part about all of this. 
Neither the SBA investments, the, that's the pension funds, nor the Cerberus donations appear to violate any state or federal rules. Cool. No oversights yeah, there whatsoever. Yeah. yeah, see, the thing that always gets me with this is how freaking cheap it is. It's like, a, it's like, what, half million here and maybe another half million? That's it? Like, how much? They're going to pull that out of that pension fund in fees in a year. Easy. Yeah, but, like, you know, you say that. You say that because you're thinking on the level of, like, pension funds. Rick Scott, certified Nosferatu. The new Vampire the Masquerade rulebook came out this month, and it only really costs, like, $80. <laughs> so when you think of it in terms of those discrete chunks, like, why wouldn't he do it, right? He's getting everything he wants. Oh, of course. I mean, I understand why they do it, but, I mean, why not only let them do $50 million and hold out for more? I mean, you got more things to run for. You got more things to fund. Come on, man, get some of that grift. I, I feel like you're right. As someone who respects government, they're worth more, and they need to realize. <laughs> yeah, like, don't be cheap, is what I'm saying. Like, I mean, think about how cheaply all these all these politicians get bought out by companies. You'd think, like, come on, man, just secure that grift. Get all your relatives employed by them. I want to sit Rick Scott down and just be like, baby, you're worth more. You know that, right? You know that. Look in the mirror. I know you can't see your own reflection, but look in the mirror and say, I'm worth 100 mil. And just repeat that. <laughs> oh, government, you can do so much better. So this opened a whole can of worms, right? This dropped, and then all of the other quote-unquote real journalists decided that they were going to do their job. So immediately after that, New York Times posted an article questioning whether or not rick scott set up an actual blind trust that's where you're supposed to put your money when you're in government we obviously didn't do that with trump but let's ignore that for the moment uh then it came out that he and his wife have financial ties to the uh, electric company in puerto rico who he is personally advising that's cool and then it came out that he was also has personal ties to the vendor that runs all of the uh, SunPass contracts, all the toll collections for the state of Florida, who are having massive issues and should be getting fined by the state but aren't because Rick Scott has been undercutting them. Wait, what, weird. What, what's going on with SunPass? That's a, first of all, that's a private vendor? What? Yep. And second of all, what, what's going on? Uh, so SunPass, it was hard to figure out what exactly this was, but basically they supposedly updated their billing and they – didn't charge people for a few months and then dropped all the bills into everybody's accounts overnight, including doing um, uh, bank fee and overdraft charges because of glitches. So essentially, all of the real journalists are finally recognizing that Rick Scott has been using his position as governor of Florida to make himself richer. And we actually put a number value on that one. His total net worth went up by 55% in just 2017. Oh, wow. Okay. So I guess he is making that scratch. Yeah. Rick Scott's doing yeah. all right, guys. He's he's and basically going to double or triple his net worth by the time he's done as governor. I, I Hats mean, off, the, buddy. The Florida State Democratic Party deserves a significant portion of blame for this as well. They, the second term for Rick Scott, I'm also, first of all, thank God they get term limited as governor. Otherwise, he would just run again for that. But the only reason, I shouldn't say the only reason, the main reason he won his second term is because the state of Florida Democratic Party looked around and said, there's this wildly unpopular governor that people hate. They love to call him Skeletor. He has all of these huge fraudulent issues in his background with hospitals and Medicare recipients and things of that nature. Who should we run against him? I know. 
will run the previous Republican governor of Florida and call him a Democrat. That is exactly what they did. They were in Charlie Crist, the previous governor, who was a Republican at the time, against the current sitting governor, who's also a Republican. And the Democratic Party in Florida went, yeah, that seems good. Uh, that, that makes sense. This is what Floridians want. They don't want progress. They don't want a true Democrat. That's a little too out there for them. What they want is just reheated bullshit that they already rejected. Cool. Cool. I like how you look at Rick Scott, you look at Charlie Chris, you're like, both of these look like gay skeletons um, that we wish would (laughs) fuck. Didn't work out well this time. Let's get Bill Nelson, a dyed-in-the-wool skeleton, to debate this guy on TV. And when people see what we're offering, I mean, no real ideas to be sure, but the optics of this are going to be so good that we're going to ride this 89-year-old man on a wave Obama-like into the governor's mansion. Jesus, is he really 89? Oh, my God. No, but does it matter? He does look it. Anything I say is going to be acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) He's technically 76. Does that change any of that calculus? No, not at all, actually. Equations for 76-year-old Bill Nelson? That's like as many years as like Biden is younger than uh, Bernie, right? So that yeah, that's that's fine. That's perfect. In my mind, all these people technically died in the nineties. I mean, seventy six me. puts oh, them at the young end for senators in the Democratic Party. Very democratic process. Love to see people get elected and live forever. <laughs> Just remember to vote blue, no matter who. Oh, God, <laughs> damn that rhymes! I didn't know you were a DNC operative. <laughs> I'm the one in D.C. What the hell? Since we're already talking about Florida, let's talk about climate change briefly because this is intensely Yay. depressing. Yay! Everyone's favorite subject. Mostly want to talk about. I'll be about honest. Go ahead. I've 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 read basically nothing about this at all, so I'm just gonna go ahead and do a a low effort reaction to this as Florida man, which is to say, just not well read, pretty dumb, selling methamphetamines to my cousin. And planning to die before any of this affects me. Go off. Okay. Well, I I get a few feet of snow every winter. So, you know, right there, hey, it'd be great if it was 10 degrees warmer all the time. That'd be fantastic. What could the problems possibly be? Oh, yeah, we got you there, though. We got you there. Ah, crushed. That's like when... Let's see your liberal bullshit respond to that hard fact. (laughs) Well, as a former meteorologist... The data says, and I've as a former media, I've lost presented everyone. without presented oh, no. without irony as a former meteorologist. Hell yeah, <laughs> which is amazing because people think that means I know anything about climate change, even though climate and weather are totally different things. But that's okay. no wh- wh- the way people react to that is they think you used to stand in front of a blue screen until you got fired. That's true. That's what everybody does think. Anyway, so a UN report came out about. Well, who cares? UN report came out that essentially said we've got 12 years to start turning the ship around. And if not, in a little over 20 years, 2040, we're all fucked. Um, And they put it in terms of mass coral reef die off, tropics become nearly uninhabitable. And the reaction I've seen from some people is, well, those things are terrible, but like there's no but. All of Europe is going fascist as a result of a single country's worth of people fleeing from violence what's going to fucking happen when an entire band around the equator is uninhabitable and they're all fleet of countries that's that's just the end of the world essentially i don't know probably what happened is a lot of really cheap labor uh people desperate for whatever scraps they're offered 
and willing to blame other people for their yeah. lot in life. Yeah, we're so, going to be putting the sweat back in sweatshops, my friends. Yeah, that's yeah. just full-on fascism at that point. Yeah, all this seems really cool, and me on the right, I have no reason to care about this. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, it's it's aggressively terrible, uh, and if uh, I don't... I mean, that's the problem, is like, I... It's uh, I can't see a way that situation gets better. That's uh, that's really the long and short of it. Like even even in the full lefty socialist takeover of the United States, I do not see how they can get enough done to address that. So uh, yeah. Well, I can make you feel better. The Democrats have considered it. this Fucking issue. Doubt it. They've considered this issue. They've weighed it. They've stacked it up, and they've decided that. They should focus on the practical and opportunistic in order to make, quote, short-term progress while eventually fighting for bolder measures. The Damn, that's surprising because they never oh. do that. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll happen. I'm sure that'll, uh, that'll go great. Uh, I mean, I can't wait. We'll have a few more uh, nice solar panel projects up here, and, uh, you know, then the problem will be solved. Uh, so they're, they're literally suggesting uh, they adopt a, quote-unquote, two-tier approach. Pass piecemeal bills on issues where there's bipartisan buy-in, a thing that doesn't exist, like energy efficiency and grid modernization, while simultaneously holding hearings on the larger climate problem to build support among industry leaders and other stakeholders. Great. All right. Here's my plan. Even cleaner coal. <laughs> bipartisan buy-in. I know. Don't like, you love that? If you believe in that, you are literally, you're maybe the same exact person that like, When's the last time we had that? If you believe in that, you're basically someone waiting for Duke Nukem forever, who's just like, I don't know, man. It worked once in like 1993, and I'm pretty sure we're gonna if if we can execute, it's gonna work again. Was there even bipartisan support on like the crime bill? I mean, kinda. I mean, Clinton got it passed. Ergo, at least some people agreed there were super predators out there. I suppose that's true. But that was also ages ago now. Yeah, yeah, that was what, 1994? <laughs> yeah, there's. Although, not, I mean, that way of, that method of thinking is not that far removed because basically the DNC platform is. Remember that one thing we did pretty well in 1992? Well, it worked then, it'll work now. No questions, please. Let's implement. No adapting needed. Fuck that. We got this. Look, yeah, thir- did, third I way mean, worked, so uh, third way will always work. I mean, bipartisan support has given us uh, many great bills over the past 20 years, like um, uh, the authorization of the Iraq War, uh, the Patriot Act. Uh, uh, I'm sure they're just slipping my mind right Massive now. Massive DoD uh, spending bills. Those are good ones. Do you think that they're like... Here's the thing, like when people talk about undecided voters or independents, that's always bullshit, right? Because at this point, even the dumbest person in Florida, like they have a team that they're on. Oh, yeah. Do you think people that want bipartisan support, do they exist or are they just a figment of like Chuck Todd's imagination? No, 100% they exist. They are all of Have you met one? Yes. Do you know for sure? I live in D.C., yes. (laughs) They all live no. here. All of them moved here so that they could all jerk each other off thinking about, well, if we get everyone to agree, then that means our technocratic solution was clearly the best because we laid out the facts and we laid out the reasoning and everyone agreed with us. Ergo, we're geniuses. Oh, just, oh shut the fuck up. 
Anything that I've, Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer agree with on principle should be disagreed with. Yep. That's just a baseline I mean, method of operating. I mean, I can definitely say on, on the older, white, waspy side of my family, there are definitely people who just are so depressed about the, the, the state of discourse in this country and really wish people would just get along and pass sensible legislation. Which, yeah, just... Hey, guess what's coming up in a month? That'll be fun. Why do you... Uh, uh, John, why do you think that is? I, I mean, I think it's just they're, they're, they're comfortable. I really think it's just the answer of they're old, they're retired, they're just sitting on the pensions they had, the savings they had, the fact that their houses are worth $300,000, and are just planning on riding that out for the, the next 10 to 20 years, and they don't understand like just how crushing it is to be under i don't know 40 at this point just how fucked everyone is yeah yeah there was a uh, that it feels like if you aren't just nearing retirement with a good nest egg and looking for bipartisanship like i, I don't understand what you're doing there was a, a disrupt brunch thing that black lives matter did in new york uh fairly recently and people were like, oh, that's not fair. These guys are just trying to eat their eggs benedict and like have a good time. And all these protesters come in and disrupt that. And the idea that like that is the, the primary affront, the fact that people are trying to eat brunch and were disrupted, that that was problematic. And nobody focused on the idea that, you know what, maybe people that are calling for bipartisanship and don't think that direct action is necessary or a good thing. Maybe they were the problem. It was just so depressing. It makes sense, though. At this point, the Democrats are the party of the status quo. They recognize that the right is pulling away from the status quo towards a grim future. But they don't actually want to change or fix anything. They just want to re reachieve stasis and then hold tight. It's a whole lot. Of, and that's what happens when you largely have a party run by 60, 70, or 80-year-olds. Mostly 70 and 80-year-olds. They don't want to fix anything. They don't want genuine change or reformation of any kind. We just got to get back to status. We got to get back to normal. So Yeah, and all, all the consultants you hire are like 32-year-old people named Minion Moore, who for them, <laughs> America is already great, so fuck it. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. You can do nothing and make six figures. America is already great, which would be sort of funny if it wasn't actually a talking point that the left trotted out for a little bit during 2016. Yeah, that was that was dark. Yeah. Look, this is how this is how easy it is to be a political consultant. One of the PR directors for Hillary Clinton got hired to run the campaign for Elizabeth Warren and then 2 weeks later she put out that horseshit video about taking the DNA test. So you you literally <laughs> cannot fuck yourself badly enough in the political yeah. consulting realm. I thought football That's was my bad senator. for having a, a good old boys club where like once you're in you just keep getting hired. No. Ain't got shit on political consulting class. You can just go on forever. It doesn't matter how egregiously you get embarrassed on the national stage. You will keep getting work. You'll keep getting paid. And worse, people will keep listening to you. It's not that they'll just keep paying you. They'll actually do the horrible shit that you suggest. If you are someone, if you are someone who has the money and time and political standing to hire consultants in the current status quo, it's 
you your your mind is so like what you think is acceptable policy is so Chuck Schumer and answer Nancy Pelosi e that those are the only people you would hire as consultants. You would never hire anybody that has any understanding of what's going on on the ground because it's inherently threatening to your worldview. So yeah, of I, course. I mean, I, I mean, I do think a lot of this is just the fact that if you're old, white, and well off, then none of this has affected you. You, I mean, the thing is, is that most of these people, like, it's not like they're going to have any family members who didn't have health insurance and get fucking ruined uh, by by some injury, like I don't know about that, that happened at some point. Uh, I I mean, no, I mean, if you're if you're in that class where you're clearing six figures, then odds are, like, just because of just how nepotism works, almost everyone in your family is probably the same way. Yeah, but yeah. There, there is something. Let me just go ahead and weigh in here as the resident dates only people with trust fund guy. Um, <laughs> there, there definitely is something going on where, despite the fact that the only one in your entire extended family who is successful is like your step grandfather, and everyone's just been living high on the hog because of him, people somehow have a way of feeling like, no, no, we earned this. This is right. Like, people who are, are complaining are just uh, slouches, and uh, everything's fine. Status quo is working out for everyone because I have health care. And they never connect it to the fact that they've done nothing. Well, yeah, you have to rationalize. Otherwise, it's a really dark reality if you recognize what's happening. I do want to make a distinction, though. There's a difference between the truly wealthy trust funds and the people making six figures. Six figures, everyone has convinced themselves means rich. It doesn't. You still pull a fucking paycheck. If you get fired and you get cancer, you're fucked just like the rest of us, right? So there's a there's a clear line there. The problem is everyone making six figures thinks they're rich, and they act like they're rich, and they vote like they're rich because they're well, especially if you're idiots. in a red state, right? Like every once in a while, because I'm a sad human being, like I'll just look up, I'll go on Wikipedia and I'll look up cities. Like the, the demographic and financial information of cities, like in North Dakota, where the median income is like nineteen thousand, and I think if you were just somebody that knew SEO optimization and you were living in that North Dakota city and you made sixty-five grand a year, you would be convinced you were in the top one percent. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh, easily. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, you also wouldn't live there anymore, but. <laughs> Well, and then Fuck you, that. I would live there. You can still watch anime and play Final Fantasy fourteen with sixty grand a year in fucking Butts Point, North Dakota. Don't ever tell oh, me what I would and wouldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> but your internet would be so bad, you wouldn't be able to stream anything. No, but that's the whole thing. See, it, boy, boy, you made a fucking mistake. Because in 20, 2017, <laughs> Square moved all the servers to the West Coast because it would be closer to Japan and they could run it with Japanese staffers. And so actually my ping's bad everywhere. Own, bitch! <laughs> Own. Oh. So you also have the issue where people are largely numerically illiterate. So the concept of 100,000 to a million and a million to a billion, those being an exponential increase is totally lost on people. Yeah, but oh. it's all relative. Isn't that the whole point? Like, it doesn't matter what your number is. What matters is that when you walk into a place, you can be like, mm, I'm better than all these people. Like, like that's that's the that what matters. That's what matters force. for them to vote. It doesn't what matter for the power. And that's the distinction I want to make. Mm. The people with power are the ones at the top of the exponential curve. 
everyone below that thinks they are there and they are not and they can and will get fucked just like the rest of us one bad turn and you're right down in the fucking gutter friends yeah don't you think that like getting fucked is not necessarily animating enough though because it's clearly not but someone's getting fucked even harder yeah, you get, as long right, as I'm not yeah. getting fucked the hardest, you, we're all you good. get the crab pot issue of like, well, as long as I'm climbing above the people below me who are boiling alive, then it's okay if I'm getting a little boiled. Yeah, and I don't know if you've ever been to a seafood place, but the crab that's somehow almost making it out, even though you know he's about to die, that crab is cool. <laughs> I want to be like that crab. And he tastes, mentally, he I tastes that much sweeter because like he's the last one to die. I'm the yeah, crab. He's a slightly undercooked one. He comes out just perfect. Oh. I'm an undercooked ass crab coming out perfect. <laughs> Fuck another crab as I fail to make it over the lid. That's me, and that's also the platform of the Republican Party of the South. God bless. I love America. Jesus, it is. Describes it perfectly. One last thing before we move on. So everyone has recognized things are terrible, they're going poorly, and staring in the face of the coming climate apocalypse, they have all decided. You know what? Fuck this. We'll geoengineer our way out of this problem. So the quote was, for governments, the idea of overshooting the target, but then coming back to it is attractive because then they don't have to make (laughs) such rapid changes, Dr. Schendel said. But it has a lot of disadvantages, Dr. Schendel, known for his understatements. The thought there is, what he's talking about with the target is, what happens if instead of two and a half degree increase globally, we hit like four? Well, that's okay. We will just geoengineer our way back down by doing things that we have no idea what the repercussions will be. It'll go great. And I've I seen, actually like that idea. And if you've seen a lot of centrists and Democrat and the general Democratic Party embrace it as like, we will, because they're technocrats. So, of course, they love the solution of like, fuck yeah, we'll just shoot a bunch of shit into the ocean and that'll make this whole problem go away. Yeah, you know how, like, when you're doing a math problem, which, boy, I'm waiting in the waters I don't understand, but (laughs) you know when you're doing a math problem, if there's a plus three on both sides, you can cross it out? Us not knowing what the repercussions of geoengineering are, that's the plus three, because we don't know what the fuck we're doing with anything, so... But how do we make trees that we can use for enough electronic purposes? Bro, I, t- I turn <laughs> trees into electronic purposes every single time I log into Overwatch. So don't worry saying, about if it. We can, if we can get some kind of e-tree product, we can make something happen here. I mean, if we can get a million scooters into every city like nothing, then get a, get a way to get some fir trees up somewhere. Honestly, Damn, to we me, had some is... sort of app. We had an app that could like... Yeah. You could like be like, damn, I wish a tree was here. And then some guy on a scooter making $1 an hour rolled up and put some seeds down. I feel like that kind of might reverse global warming. I don't know. No further question. To me, this is just the version of looking into the abyss and being like, oh, I'm a religious now. Oh, we're all going to die? Well, I believe in a man in the sky who tells me what to do and says that I'm allowed to kill brown people. Oh, you're telling me climate apocalypse is coming? Well, I believe the scientists will shoot some fucking metal fillings into the ocean and we'll all be okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? It's hard to accept the reality of the situation. All we got to do is just turn the entire ocean into an algae bloom. That'll get all the CO2 out of the the, uh, atmosphere. And then Florida's working on it. They are. Yeah, I was going to say, Florida's already there. They've had a red tide for five months. (laughs) Oh, those are are some great images as long as I pretend that they're not actually real. 
Like they're just some student's art project. Florida figured it out. They are growing their red tide and then they just let the hurricanes, which are constantly coming from climate change and get stronger and stronger, the hurricanes come through and clear it up. There was an, actually an article about, hey, what happened to the red tide? Oh, the hurricane solved that problem. Yeah, it's called innovation, <laughs> dumbass. Like, figure it out. So, we'll use climate change against itself. It's genius. Dumbass climate sitting there like, oh, I'm going to give you a red tide. Well, guess what, idiot? You also gave us a hurricane. Fucking owned climate. You look so fucking stupid right now. I'm all about fucking up climate. They're embarrassed to show their face now. Oh, Okay. Let's oh. move on to the main event here. There was an incredible Heidi Cruz article that came out this week. Heidi Cruz, for those who don't know, Ted Cruz's wife. It is... L- what, what a lucky lady. Ted Cruz's oh. wife. Oh. Uh, Borat, 2006. Think about what her bank account must look like. And all she has to do is occasionally look at his face. Oh, no. Let's, it's, there's so much more to this. So, so much more. This is my favorite profile I've read in a while. Good. I, I look forward to this. Please just read it to me because there's no way in hell I clicked an article that said Heidi Cruz talking about Ted Cruz and read it. Oh, yeah. It's great. Okay. So the article is Heidi Cruz didn't plan for this. She had her whole future mapped out when she met Ted Cruz, starting with her dream job in Washington. A whole new world. That is what Ted Cruz wanted to give her. It was the spring of 2001. Stop. And Heidi Nelson. Was Stop. Her, no, no, no. Stop. No, you got to. <laughs> Let me stop you right there. Is that an accidental word choice? No. No, I mean, we're getting asked, to it. Just wait. This. Just wait. Just remember, Rob, you asked for this. It gets <sighs> it gets so much better. Don't worry. Was, does Heidi does Heidi Cruz at any point say I'll make a man out of you to Ted Cruz? No, but I, I promise you that um, that reference comes uh, full circle at a moment. Different different movie, yeah. <laughs> so it was the spring of two thousand and one. As Ted Cruz is pulling his chin back from Heidi, uh, at any point does she say, kiss the girl? <laughs> That's what his chin says. Does, does, does Heidi stand on a... Actually, I was going to segue that into uh, going back into the climate change with Florida thing, but, you know. Why bother? You've done enough damage as is. It was the spring of 2001, and Heidi Nelson was planning her nuptials to the man she'd met just over a year earlier. And also 9-11. <laughs> On Christmas break from Harvard Business School, she'd oh, encountered yeah. the cocky that and cerebral <laughs> Cruz in Austin, Texas, where they were both working on George W. Bush's presidential Pause. campaign. Pause. Cocky and cerebral yes. is... <laughs> Look, you can be one or the other, but if you combine them in the same sentence, that just means you're a fucking intolerable dork. But but seriously, listen to that opening. It's like they're just winning at everything. George Bush is getting elected. Like they're in, she's in she's in what Harvard Business School. She's dating Ted Cruz, the most eligible bachelor in oh god. By the way, this is the most privileged sentence I've ever heard. On Christmas break from Harvard Business School, blah, 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 where they were both working on George W. Bush's presidential campaign. Fuck yeah. Love that. Fuck that. I'm just going to leave for like two minutes. <laughs> I need to walk around the block for a second. <laughs> no, you guys continue, though. You can just taste the trust. Here we go. Here, this, these are the quotes that will really make you gag. He was, quote, super smart and, quote, really fun. And look like a, quote, 1950s movie star. It was love at first sight, she told me. 
<laughs> Ted Cruz. 19, 1950s was when they were making all those like sci-fi movies, like super cheap and putting like and putting like the electric buzzers in seats to really like scare people. And you'd have like the the giant ant movies and stuff like oh, that. Them. So, yeah, I could really I could really see Cruz like looking like something out of like some terrible 1950s horror movie yeah this is the part they edited from this original article is heidi cruz is obsessed with 1950s b plot horror movies and she was just super into the blob specifically and like fuck how are you not into the blob fish that is ted cruz anyway back to the article So with that in mind they filled those three weeks this is her christmas break they filled those three weeks with movies and dinners and drives then he took her to the airport where she'd get on a plane back to boston Call me every day when your day is done, she instructed him, already getting a sense of how this relationship works. And he did call her every day that spring at about 3 or 4 a.m. Later that summer, Ted... Wait, what? I'm sorry. I just got back. She requested a call at 4 a.m. every night? She requested a call every single day was the requirement. He decided on 3 or 4 a.m. Damn. Definitely not going out, getting drunk, partying, talking about means testing... And then calling her at 4 a.m. like, hey. No, I was going to say, I can't see Ted Cruz partying. Like, you see, like, Brett Kavanaugh. You know, he's going out, and he's just getting blasted and hammered and feeling her up at a party. But Ted, no, nah, he's, he's like, getting home just after just, just doing, like, some of the most terrible things you can ever think of. He's finally washed the bleach off from cleaning up. And then, and then he's giving her a call. And, and putting on his human voice again. John, I don't mean to, to to naysay you here, but don't you kind of feel like Ted Cruz is not cool enough to actually be washing blood off? Like, <laughs> I kind of agree. I, I feel like, if anything, he's a guy that comes home sober at 3 a.m. Like, ah, Heidi, you won't believe I talked a vegan into eating meat again. Like, it's that level of dork. So, I... Yeah, you're right. I was I was just trying to make him seem more human, like I, a real a real Dexter profile of him would just just make give you the lovable Ted Cruz. The the college archetype is either like partying dipshit that gets drunk and then calls Heidi Cruz, who's somehow worse, uh, at four a.m., or like the awkward nerd who wishes there was an anime club so he could finally be his true self and still calls Heidi sober at four a.m. And actually, not for nothing, if, if Ted Cruz just came out pro-anime at this point, I'd have to really give Beto a look and, and weigh the options. That would be the most human thing about him. But don't worry, we've yeah, got more. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to humanize this guy, because nothing about... I'm about to. It's, it's, I'm about it's to. Like, it's like, you know those little uh, tiny bear creatures that live at the microscopic level and, and live forever? What are they called? <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I know you what know you're what I'm talking about? about. Like the yeah, the I don't know. I'm not gonna Google it right now. But, but yeah, I've seen them. They have like little like sucker face things. Exactly. It's really creepy. Yeah, I I don't know in what direction I humanize Ted Cruz. It must be the case because I'm pretty sure he's a human. That there's some way to humanize him, but I don't know what's his thing and nothing he does. Oh, yeah, we, or we says. aren't lucky enough for him to be a monster. Like I mean, or an alien or anything like. We, we can wish it, but it's it's just not to be. Yeah, if Ted Cruz was literally Roadhog from Overwatch, I'd be like, all right, cool, you're a little different. Like, I understand your struggles uh, getting elected here. It's amazing that you have. But he's just like a banal human somehow, but in a way that I, I can't characterize. 
It's like one of those guys who worked for the Khmer Rouge, where he was just like, yeah, I, I gotta rip all your teeth out now. But, you know, it's, it's just business. Yeah, but also, like, bad. Of course, of course. <laughs> I'm gonna continue. Later that summer, Ted gave her a strand of pearls. Probably fake. Yeah, I bet he did. I bet he did. (laughs) Probably fake, she still thinks. But they were from Bergdorf Goodman. And this was special. She'd mentioned once that she liked to go to Bergdorf's. Getting a real sense of who Heidi is. To look at the china and other delicate things behind glass. And he'd listened. Yeah, I bet he did. Yeah, he didn't take her there. But, you know. Here's here's where you guys really are going to love this. Especially you, Rob. Which is how Heidi found herself planning a May wedding to a man who, for all his pretension, insisted they play a whole new world, the popular Disney song, at the end of the ceremony. She didn't understand. They had a band, she told him. A violinist, no less. Of course she did. Why on earth would they play a CD? Because no one can do Aladdin, he said. (laughs) She relented and it became a theme of sorts. Or that's how she remembers it anyway. On a magic carpet ride. Oh, Ted. I would just like to point out, um, I'm going to have to disclose and recuse myself from this conversation because, uh, number one, I definitely bought, at that age, I definitely bought a, a girlfriend at the time, Tiffany's Diamonds, because she liked Tiffany's. She also characterized me as pretentious primarily, and I also thought the whole new world was really cool and romantic. How old were you? You were there. I was 20. Yes. Aren't they 20 in this? He was fucking like 29 at this point. Or 28. Wait, wait. Wait, Aladdin came out when I was like, I don't know, 11, I want to say. Yeah, it wasn't a hip-hop banger. It wasn't because of its pop culture immediacy that I liked it. It's just just every middle school dance you were at, this was getting played and just... Oh. (laughs) Yeah, look, hey. I wasn't fingering people to it's good to be king or I can't wait to be king. (laughs) (laughs) You work with what you got. Uh, I just, so you're starting to get a sense here of the clash of personalities. Like it's almost clear that they don't understand each other that well. She got a fucking violinist because she's fancy as hell. I would have done the same thing. Weird ass Ted Cruz is like, fuck that CD of Aladdin because no one can do Aladdin like Aladdin does. I'm like, I just, I hate both of them, but for totally different reasons. I love the idea of Ted Cruz at the rehearsal being like, hmm. Hmm. I like their canon in D, but they're a whole new world that leaves much to be desired. I, the weird thing is... Texas, like baby! With, the Republic! <laughs> at, at least with the Disney movie, you can be like, this is a human thing. This is a thing that anyone can associate with. As opposed to, like, Trump's version, which is, like, I like, like, just burnt black steaks that just take, taste like shoe leather and douse them in ketchup. Like, the Disney movie feels human. God, I don't know. You're trying to make me choose between them. That's... that's. Ugh. Come on. You like Disney more than you like burnt steaks of course i do but this is a weird hill to die on if i'm saying no actually actually i do like burnt steaks ted cruz or fucking trump like i got i got nothing on that one like yeah i do like aladdin would i forcibly play the cd of aladdin at my wedding when my wife didn't want me to like i don't know about that one that feels really awkward Hard yes, that kind of owns. Imagine Brett, <laughs> you. Well, I mean, I imagine she's going to make you choose between that and the Imperial March. <laughs> but I also, I also love the 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 other part of this, which is, 
Okay, so Ted's a weird nerd. God, he's into Disney. I can actually, like, yes, I can connect to that piece of it. The part where he marries this, like, odd frost princess who only wants super high and waspy shit. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm struggling with that one, Ted. Although, if you're Ted and a woman finally was interested in you, you, you do what you gotta do. First of all, all of you are fake. Number one, my cousin <laughs> literally played the Imperial March at his wedding. And he's the coolest <laughs> person I know. Uh, number two, That's Florida's Brett, you, fuck, you would it. play, if you had your druthers, you would play a Disney CD that you bought in like 2002 at your wedding. A hundred percent. And three, no, I would make the band no idea, play. Come on. I'm not yeah. done. If you, <laughs> if you are Ted Cruz and there's a woman that's just like, you don't have to understand me at all. I don't even expect that from you. Uh, compassion. I know you're not going to get but can you hit my external objective financial waypoints like Bergdorf diamonds? That would be so easy. It's the equivalent of like a relationship with good communication where you're like, just tell me exactly what I need to do. I'll do it. We'll help each other out. But just with materialistic concerns, that would be such a relief. And it would be like, I get it. Kind of. Yeah. You're actually well, starting to, well, you're, you're catching on yeah. to the theme that we're going to delve into more in here. But once again, go back to Trump. Look at him. Like, look at his like first uh, marriage, or God, how many of them he had. He's he he was going for that for a while, and then eventually he just decided that Russian mail order brides were a bit easier. But you know, yeah. I mean, he was also just saying, "Hey, I will just buy you," and you you just have to stand around looking pretty and kind of handle being around my like monstrous visit visage. Beg to differ, because I feel like Ted Cruz is the type that's like. Hey, hey, I, 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 uh, I, I bought you diamonds from Tiffany's. And Heidi's like, you piece of human garbage. And so he goes, okay, swing and a miss. I'll try again later. Uh, I'll be back soon. <laughs> I, uh, whereas Trump is the guy that's like, hey, good news. I got you all the anime wall scrolls you want. And she's like, that isn't what I wanted. And he's like, all right, fine. You're divorced. <laughs> I got to give Ted Cruz more credit. I see it the other way around. Ted Cruz is just happy to be to have someone tell him what to do, and he doesn't care. For him, it's more of a like, can I check the box that I have a wife and that some woman somewhere is attracted to me? Done. To me, he's almost asexual in a way. Trump clearly, oh, I hope clearly so. is like a monstrous human and definitely like a product of toxic masculinity, masculinity at large, where it's. He wants the wife so he can fuck her, and the next time he finds something he wants to fuck, he's going to go after that one. It has That's, nothing to do with actually like checking boxes or anything like that. It's a totally different relationship. So, so let me let me just see if I can nail this down. What you're saying? So, what you're saying is like Ted Cruz is the kind of guy who just wishes he could drink Soylent at every meal. Like, I know I have to do this thing, but I don't dis don't obtain any joy out of it. Let me just like get the nutrients and be done with it. Let me just get a wife and we'd be done with it. Where uh, Trump, on the other hand, he wants to eat the cooked baby. Yeah. Uh, the other way I put it is just in, in terms that all bros can understand. Ted's a beta and uh, Trump is an alpha. Oh, oh yeah, of course. But Ted has, Ted has succeeded in a sense. It's like as a debate club person, right? You want to always make sure that your individual points are valid and sound and unimpeachable. And he went, you know what? Anybody could look at me and say, why don't you have a wife? So I'll go accumulate wife. And he found someone <laughs> where the only steps required were like 
use your disposable income. You made it happen. I love that. I love that wife is a resource in the game of life that he's playing, and he needs to go out and mine that resource. Oh, yeah, now, my, now I've got one of that resource wife done. Now I need to get friend, two of resource kids. Wives are a, a limited resource, but I've got one. Ted Cruz, Ultimate <laughs> Alpha. Wait, does does Ted Cruz actually have children? Oh, oh yes, he's got two children. He's got two daughters. Hey, how oh dare you? If God, you, Ted Cruz busts. That's one thing we know for certain. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm busting right now, honey, and you better be ready for it. <laughs> well, we do we do know Ted Cruz at least likes pornography, or at least he at least he has to tell the world that he likes pornography. That's true. Like, Heidi, I can respect him for that. Heidi, like, I'm, about, I'm about to make my performative heterosexuality unimpeachable. Oh! <laughs> 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 There's a que- that's actually a good question. Does Ted Cruz actually like porn, or did he just like know that he was supposed to like it? So just found something that was just like eh, she kind of looks like my wife. This probably must be the porn for Ted Cruz. Honestly, he's way smarter than to give him credit for if he intentionally leaked the porn tweet to make himself more humanizing. Like that's, if he that's has sort of porn, terrifying if he's actually that smart. If he has porn of his own wife. That is disqualifying instantly. That is like no, no, not porn of his wife. Of but sand the... level insane. <laughs> not porn of his wife, but the porn that he liked on nine eleven two years ago on Twitter. I'm sorry. Did you did you not know about this? <laughs> <laughs> he he on on nine eleven twenty seventeen uh like tweeted out a like for something on Pornhub and then of course immediately deleted it. And everybody's like, wait, Ted Cruz is super into busty blondes? What? Which, yeah, I mean, his wife's blonde. That makes sense. That checks out. Again, this is just endearing to me. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, right. That was actually humanizing. It was like, Ted, yeah, no, it was, it's, it, it's 9-11. Everyone else is sad. But as a Republican, he's fucking horny. Like, this was a great day in history for a Republican. So, like, why wouldn't he, like, jerk his hog to some fucking hot blondes? Like, hell yeah. This is really problematic for me. Because now I'm just thinking of Ted Cruz's guy like, no, I had to give a speech today, but I, I wish my wife Heidi was here because I'd give her the what for. Whereas, <laughs> whereas Beto, you know, is just, like, the ultimate Chad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> This race is definitely like a beta versus a beta versus a Chad. It's a fucking incel versus a Chad. Don't don't frame it in that way, or I'm gonna have to move to Texas. <laughs> Ted Cruz Ted Cruz is one like on like an otaku weeaboo post away from me being like, finally he's in office. <laughs> finally, I feel represented. <laughs> I'm gonna press because there's there's more. Don't worry. Uh, so that was 17 years ago. Since then, as Ted's wife, the mother of their two daughters, answers that question, and the family breadwinner, Heidi has helped see him through roles as Texas Solicitor General, U.S. Senator, mm. and mostly recently mm. candidate for the presidential nom. In 2015, she took unpaid leave from her job as the managing director of Goldman Sachs in Houston. That's the ultimate sacrifice that one woman can make for a man. Gave up her managing director position at Goldman Sachs, which... Oof. God, that's an obscene sum of money. Yeah. We've all been there. I, it, at least, at least you know that she's in the long haul for this. Like she is fine with like whatever the most evil thing you can go for, and just be like, yeah, 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 this is fine. Just, just I'll spread my legs. Let's just do it. Let's just get this over with. Like, just make sure the check clears. 
Do you think that's like something she has printed on a piece of wood above her bedroom that she hits like Notre Dame players every time they have sex? <laughs> Good game. All right. While Ted struggled to find character witnesses within his own party, his colleague Lindsey Graham once joked about someone murdering him on the Senate floor, <sighs> Heidi Boy. collected fans wherever she went. Everyone loves Heidi, a prominent Houston Democrat told me. Every time I talk to her, I think, you should be running for office, not your husband. I actually agree with the Democrats that. Are gonna, the Democrats are actually going to run her. God. Yeah, no, I, what's so seductive about that is it's like, boy, she somehow managed to endure Ted Cruz. That's got to be worth something. Well, I mean, she's listen, handling Harvard it better Business than Chuck School, Schumer is. Golden, Goldman Sachs, she is used to this. She is fine. You could you could just put her in like a tr- into like one of them into a like a toxic waste spill and she would be fine. She is used to this. I mean, there's also the question you have to ask yourself as I continue on here. Philosophical question. Is Heidi Cruz actually likable or does she stand next to Ted Cruz and anyone standing next to that black hole of charisma looks like fucking Barack Obama in his heyday by comparison? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go on the record here. I don't know how women work in general. I mean, people have dated me, so I have no idea how Heidi thinks that Ted Cruz is a chosen one, but I believe it could happen. This could be earnest. Okay. Heidi Cruz is indeed easy to like. I met her on an August afternoon at her home where she invited me for lunch. The Cruises live in precisely the house you'd envision, white brick with black shutters and a door framed by a That gas was lanterns. not what I envisioned. Not what I thought. In a large padlocked basement. In the neighborhood you'd expect, leafy and palatial in the center of Houston. If some people look like their dogs, Heidi Cruz looks like her house. Expensive, serene, draped in pretty fabrics. I, I love Basic, that sentence. Basically informed by medieval sensibilities. <laughs> that Wednesday afternoon, she greeted me somewhat breathlessly. This client call went much longer than I thought it would, wearing a, who gives a shit? As we sat down to eat, she said what I imagine all women who wear these things must say, her voice warm and conspiratorial, we're going to have some champagne. Yes, we are. I would just like to point out that every aspect of this points to her having just reluctantly fucked Ted Cruz. Oh, it, somewhat, oh, of course. Somewhat of breathlessly course. arriving at the door like, hey, oh, okay, um, champagne, I know it's 1 p.m., but champagne, right? All right, good. It's like three more glasses of this and we'll be ready for 4 p.m. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she she really encapsulates the like um, hyper ambitious white suburban woman model of because you're totally driven by material and power gains, you are empty inside and thus have to drink to away the pain. She leaned to grab a bottle off the dining room table and the crystal chandelier reflected her hair and turned gold. Shining, shimmering, splendid. God bless this Damn, that, that's just like the Aladdin thing. Do y'all see that thing? It was just like Aladdin. <laughs> I love this writer for just continuing to work it in. It's a whole new world. <laughs> it's, it's the glue that holds this article together. So you start talking about her wedding. She used the words from the song, A Whole New World. So they start talking about the wedding again uh, and how her kids love watching the video, her, her daughters. False. <laughs> I know, that's totally made up. <laughs> the point, though, is the song because she still thinks about it often. Ambitious young women imagine choosing their own worlds, but to become a political spouse, even in 2018. What does she mean even? Like, it's gotten better? Like You don't choose worse. your world at all. That, that's actually the most empowering thing. And actually, that's the line. But to become a political spouse, even in 2018, is to learn that your world will be chosen for you. 
Damn, inspiring. Go on. For Heidi, that's met enduring an excruciating spotlight, weathering tabloid rumors, and the current president's jibes about her looks. Now I love when my husband makes me feel excruciating pressure. No, There's no impact on my psyche. Continue. Now her husband is in the midst of yet another intense campaign, this time against Beto O'Rourke, the liberal darling vying for a Senate seat. As the race continues to dominate cable news, I want to know what the circus feels like for Heidi. I wanted to know, too, how she maintains a sense of herself in an arena that defines her in relation to someone else. And I wanted to know what Heidi wishes she had known. I would say to younger women, be intentional about your decisions, she said. And I do appreciate that Ted started her life together with that song because there's some truth to it. He'll be like, it's such a great life. We have so much adventure ahead. It's like our magic carpet ride, she continued. And sometimes I'm like, I hope we don't hit the cement. Mm, Getting a little... get. Getting a little honest there, Heidi. That was the most true. Like thing I said, she's this is said. this is the third glass of champagne. A little of the mask is slipping. Like we're getting we're getting ready. We're getting ready. It sounds a little bit like her magic carpet ride. Is she was like, please don't take me on this magic carpet ride, and then he <laughs> did it. And the whole time she's like, this sucks. Well, at least we might hit the concrete at some point. <laughs> she's just flying through the air on a carpet, praying for death. I love for a catty New York real estate magnate to uh, make fun of my looks. Anyway, that's what I'll probably be most known for when I die. Uh, Ted, you're doing great. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's fucking dark. On March 22nd, 2015. What about this article is not dark? Oh, it gets... We got got ways to go, friends. No, I know. I read this... John, there was I a read whole bit whole... about uh, the Aladdin thing. I don't know if you were there for that, but that's very inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, found I, out that I Ted feel... Cruz fucks. That's the most lighthearted thing I've read in a while. I, I feel so terrible, not for her, because fuck her. She is she is an awful human being. But Jesus Christ, that that people live this way. Oh. Fuck me. We're about to go through anyway, the most sympathetic stretch here. So. Imagine being a, a, a managing partner at Goldman Sachs, like being self-directed and ambitious, and you're climbing the ladder, and then at a certain point, you have one to five seconds where you realize, I'm going to hitch myself to the worst possible wagon and just go total submissive from here on out. And that's what she's done. And in that way, she's a bit of a tragic figure. Do I have sympathy for her? No. Because the wagon she's hit herself to is basically white supremacist and looks like a uh, a deep sea fish, but Rub. I kind of have some amount of pathos. Rob, you're killing me because you're totally getting ahead of me in the article. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just observing based on the lowest common denominator. But go on. No, you you were explaining what the article is about to explain. Where was I? On March 22nd, 2015, Heidi was on a Southwest flight en route to Liberty University. That's already what? depressing. Flying I don't need Southwest. anything more. And thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. Uh, we'll be with <laughs> you next week. Heidi flying Southwest is the most middle-class thing she has done yet in this article and will well, do for the entire article. My husband's Ted Cruz, but, you know, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, please God, anyone. My husband never knows where I am, and I've never capitalized on this. Anyway, no further questions. Let's move on. So she's flying to Liberty University, where her husband would announce his bid for the White House the following day. Did he really announce that at Liberty University? Oh, yeah. Almost certainly. Ted's brain was crazy religious guy for a while. We forget about that (sighs) because Trump has destroyed all of our collective memories. Yeah, now the religious right has to pretend like... Uh, actually, Stormy Daniels, he did fuck her, but actually, Jesus would have as well. Anyway, again, moving on. 
She was journaling her calorie count. Again, okay, that's very <laughs> relatable. Uh, again, I just, I just, I, I, in case you weren't clear that this is a rich white lady, works or excuse me, went to Harvard Business School, worked for a George W. Bush uh, presidential campaign. The first one when he was a fucking idiot that we all laughed at before he actually had power. Loves Bergdorf Goodman, works at uh, Goldman Sachs, and uh, journaling in her calorie counts. Okay, let's continue. She was journaling her calorie Hi, count. When Hi, she- Heidi Cruz, join me at R twelve hundred is plenty uh, on Reddit, and <laughs> I feel like we could really bond. Anyway, continue. I think she would get along with our OMAD chat from last time. Anyway, when she accidentally flipped to entries from more than a decade before, in the midst of her depression. Mm, depression, you say? What? Why would Heidi ever be depressed? It had all started with the move to Houston. She and Ted were both working for the Bush administration, so they're great people. She was the director of the Latin America office in the Treasury Department. Early on in the in the Bush administration, like before 9-11 happened, they were definitely trying to do some more. They, they were definitely trying to focus more on South America. I don't, Latin America, I don't really remember what, but... Boy, I bet it was special. Yeah, the good news is Afghanistan happened, so we didn't have to fuck around with that anymore. We still did, but we were only sending our C teams down there by that point. A and B were definitely heading on over to the Middle East by then. Which they did a great job of. uh, The Graveyard of Empires and uh, just just definitely a problem solved. Don't worry, guys. We'll definitely do a special podcast when the first person dies in Afghanistan who was born after the war started. I'm tracking that Did one. Did that happen already? Nope. They can now enlist because it's where it's 17. So you can enlist, but they won't have been deployed. All the military people are mostly tracking this. They won't have, be able to be deployed until probably the spring. God, that's so fucking Gen Z or fucking whatever. Like, oh, I don't want to be the first one to die in Afghanistan. Fucking commit to something, you Snapchat assholes. <laughs> <laughs> where was I? Uh, he's working at the FTC. She's at the Treasury Department. Great. Oh, my God. The flower site? That's cool. Exactly. She was happy. He was not. So in 2002, with her support, Ted interviewed in Texas for the position of Solicitor General. When the offer came, the couple decided that Ted would move to to Austin while Heidi stayed behind. She was now working for Condoleezza Rice. Easiest decision of her life. (laughs) (laughs) Ted, Ted, I I really want to go with you, but I'm just not sure I can. All right, Heidi. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think I think the I'll arrange really these chrysanthemums and you stay here. <laughs> the, the next line really says it all. Their relationship had been built on long distance phone calls. The best Just possible boom. way. You know what I love about uh, my significant other is that he really blows my back walls out on these long distance phone calls. <laughs> It's great because it doesn't actually happen. I can continue about my business, but boy, this guy. Ted, uh, did you uh, uh, send the uh, the sperm samples yet? We need, we need to get them down to the clinic very soon. Oh, yes. I remember hearing that I need two resources of children. If I've learned anything from my experience going to the Regal at Battery Park across from the <laughs> Goldman Sachs building, uh, it, it's that nobody is being faithful. You go there at like 7.30 p.m. and it's a bunch of like extremely Eastern European women with extremely banker guys going to see movies is a prelude for the worst thing you can possibly imagine. And Heidi, I see you and God bless you for that. I just, I just hope she had the, the, the requisite 
pool boy or yoga instructor. Just something to really get her through the day, you know? Compared to Ted Cruz, she could fuck any president of any anime club in this nation and be a step up. <laughs> All right, my chance is coming. Finally, I can connect with someone that understands the importance of Ranma one half. <laughs> Wikipedia.com slash Ranma one dash two. <laughs> We'll get one person gets that one. All right, Heidi had no. Oh, no that, that that hit me way too close to home. Actually, that's that's a real depressing. Oh, and the one uh, person just, is on the pod. Excellent. Oh, boy, no, boy. <laughs> oh, Rob, Rob just ruined. I'll me. take the thank this. you right now for the next year. <laughs> I've just been cowed to silence. I'm just gonna like weep in the corner now. I'm glad our narrowcast references are at least hitting within our own group. All right, uh, Heidi had known from the get-go that Ted wanted to hold state office. Of course, he's a creature of ambition. She was aware that someday she would move to Texas. What shocked her was that someday arrived so quickly. That's incredible. That's like a person that has dark visions of their own death, only she's at Goldman Sachs going like, I can't shake it. Sometimes I wake up and I had a dream. It feels so real. It's that I was living in Texas. Despite everything I desired, this was the guy. Let's just just go and let's just go right to a Simpsons reference. The episode where uh, Homer goes and uh, moves moves the whole family to Colorado. And Marge is just sitting at home all day doing nothing, drinking one glass of wine. That is that is that is just the only image I have of Heidi at this point. How depressing is it, though, that like she knew it would happen? Oh, don't worry. She's, she, she's doing everything right, and yet the, the the forces of patriarchy are such that she's like, I'm pretty sure I'm killing it. I'm I'm killing it at Goldman, which is one of the most hostile environments possible. And yet, I'll probably end up a political spouse. Fuck me. Cut to. She had encouraged him to apply for the job, yes. But truth be told, with his lack of experience, she didn't think he'd get or it. Or human emotions. They made it work for almost two years before they finally agreed that Heidi would move to Houston. So she did another two years not seeing Ted. Those must have been a great two years. The best with the two ex- years of their relationship. With the existential dread of knowing what was coming. I love that there's no way that that full two years wasn't Ted Cruz being like, come on down, Heidi. <laughs> oh, honey, work just can't spare me yet. Just a few more months. Let me just take care of some things. Let me just put away all this extra money and then... We'll see. They made it work for almost two years before they finally agreed that Heidi would move to Houston. where she. Nope, I can't stop myself. Honey, honey, I've made the whole club watch Shouju Kakume Utena Adrasasu Mirashaku, which is Revolutionary Girl Utena Adolescence Apocalypse. They didn't want to watch it, but I made them because I'm an alpha. And she went, okay, that's the tipping point. I'm coming down to Texas. <laughs> So, and this is where I start to respect Heidi's total unwillingness to deal with Ted. So she moves to Houston. They take weekly turns driving the three hours between cities to see each other. They're still not in the same town. It's been Ugh. two years. Can you Good imagine for, driving? Good for you, Heidi. Just, just, this is, this is smart. She's putting it off for as long as possible. It, this I can respect. Yeah, this actually makes sense. Like... As someone that has been like, oh, okay, long distance. Uh, who should come to who on the weekends? And it's like, definitely you. Like, she is clearly not going to him at this point, right? We're all in agreement. Well, they, it said it oh, says they they take turns. 
Yeah, I mean, but say, are she, they? She probably are they went really? once or twice. I mean, the, the thing is, this must be the point when they have have children. So at least at that point, like, there's no way you're you're bundling up two kids and taking three hours. Oh, definitely not. Across that, you're 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 making Ted. Come and in case you're curious, this is a stretch of I-10 from Houston uh, to Austin. Not entirely I-10. That is basically uh, just one long sea of oil production. There's Which is no also what she calls when Ted Cruz busts. So I was going to say, so it's just this giant long stretch of death. Uh, Which is also what she calls <laughs> Ted Cruz busts. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Not for her, clearly, but go on. Uh, what was that? Ah, moving to Texas so early in her career was not part of her plan. And she, had, al- and she had always been a planner. Yeah, she's a psychopath. We get it. She was only eight years old when, on a family road trip, she fell in love with Washington. Though her <sighs> seventh-day Adventist parents were largely apolitical. Yeah, okay, I'll believe that. She decided in high school that she wanted to intern on Capitol Hill one day. So, so this actually answers my question of are psychopaths born or do the sort of ladder climbing thing, does that happen as a result of society? This girl at fucking eight was like, oh, Washington, D.C. Oh, my God. I love this place. I can just feel all the soulless, mindless, dead-eyed psychopaths here. Yes, my people. That makes me actually – see, I'm on the opposite side. That makes me believe in nurture because – how sheltered do you have to be that you go to Washington, D.C. and you're like, ah, Valhalla. <laughs> like, she must have, she's like the person in Florida that's like, yo, bro, you ever been to Shoney's? You can eat as much as you want and they won't kick you out. Like, her standards from what she's experienced are so low that she likes D.C., she fucks Ted Cruz, she gets tooled on by fucking Donald Trump. That, this is a tragic story. I, I see where you're going with that, but I'm about to undercut it a little bit. Uh, she, she attended Claremont College, a small liberal arts school, known for government, blah, blah, Just All this is tragic. The, the sentence wait, you just said is tragic. Wait, 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 wait. Just four hours from her family in San Luis Obispo, California. That's even the most tragic. San Luis Obispo was perfectly pleasant. She went from fucking there to D.C. and went, D.C., this seems great. Everyone here is an uptight, crazy person like me. Unlike San Luis, where it's a little more relaxed and the weather's beautiful. And I'm up the road from a number of massive cities with great food. But I don't know. There's a lot of immigrants here. I'm going to go to D.C. where the white people run shit. I'll be honest. I don't know where San Luis is. I pretend yeah, I don't. I, I luckily don't know anything about it. I'm sure it's just some upper middle class, just, just absolute. Oh. Yeah, me and John were just pretending to be knowledgeable and worldly, but we we can't point to that on. Oh, of course, San Luis. It oh is... yes, Epis- Episcopo, right? Close. Joe <laughs> Joe Piscopo? No, it is north of Santa Barbara. I don't know where that is. It's it's right on the it's right on the coast of California. It's it's just, it's just it's beautiful. Wealthy white people. Yeah. It didn't used to be wealthy white people. It is definitely that now. Yes, hundred percent. Well, as long as we don't question how it got that way, continue. Good. Oh my God, I am paging down through this article, and it just goes on for weeks. We better uh, we better. Like, oh my God, we're like an hour fifteen in. I'm just I'm just gonna order something on Seamless while Brett you you tell me why I hate my life. All right, so we'll jump through. She did federal government. Uh, oh, also, I, just to be clear here, in case we we didn't know how easy it is to get into Wall Street from federal government, she literally planned to do federal government 
then Wall Street, business school, and back to a campaign. Great. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, that that's uh that's how it happens. So let's get to her her dealing with some issues. So Texas, however, the swift transition to Merrill Lynch, the loneliness, the struggle. The swift transition to Merrill Lynch, the loneliness. I Heidi, if you're listening to this, just give me a call. 646-824-1669, real cell phone number. We can just chat. There's no expectations. Things go. The struggle to build her reputation from scratch, it snuck up on her. Not until now has Heidi publicly discussed what happened on the night of August 22nd, 2005. She was in Austin visiting Ted when it felt as though this whole new world was suffocating her. She got oh, up- boy. <laughs> she, she got upset about a small thing. She can't remember what exactly. Maybe bet, that yeah. Ted was drinking a glass of wine and watching television, even though he still hadn't taken out the trash. Yeah, that's probably what caused my psychotic break, because nothing up to that point was of that level of intensity. And then it it wasn't just that, she explained. It was like, all of this, like, why am I here? And by the way, I gave up living where my family is to come here so that I could sit on the 290 freeway every week to go work for a company that's actually headquartered in New York, and I could be in headquarters if I wasn't here with you. Like, I mean, all these things, right, she said, and so I dip for Heidi. (laughs) 646-824-1669, Heidi, I feel you. For Heidi, dipping meant walking to the side of an on-ramp near their house. Around 11 p.m., a passerby called the police to report that a woman in a pink shirt was sitting near the Mopac Expressway, her head buried in her hands. She didn't seem to have a vehicle nearby. Reasonable. Reasonable. Uh, I hate to to pull my privilege here, but as a a Florida resident, the only reason to be on an on-ramp on foot is if you're buying psilocybin powder from your nephew's girlfriend, that's the one time where it's normal to be on an on-ramp <laughs> in the middle of the night on foot. I asked Heidi whether she was thinking about killing herself. We were- How could you not? You're on an on-ramp <laughs> in the middle of the night. You walked, presumably, to the on-ramp, either intentionally, which is bad, or accidentally, which is boggling. So I let, let's focus on her answer here. She was just asked, Heidi, did you think about killing yourself? Her response is to talk about her marriage. We were early in our marriage. It's a I wonderful got your thing. Yes. Like, in a great way, you amplify each other. You're a couple now. You're two together. Stronger. Other bullshit. Mm. But before that, you make all your own decisions, she said. And there's an adjustment that takes place when you realize that life is now all about the two of you. And that's fine. It's not. But there are trade-offs. The adjustment of hoping a Dodge Tacoma just runs you over? I love augmenting my other, uh, who, who is a <laughs> weird flounder-faced guy that keeps talking about how Hideki Anno's end of Evangelion is, in fact, the perfect encapsulation of Texan life. I think it's very natural to feel afraid, to feel like things are in your path, in your wake, that were not your decision, she continued. I think my spirit just fell to a low place. The officer who arrived on the scene believed that Heidi was a danger to herself, according to his report. He drove her to the police station. Her husband came to pick her up. Ted's never mad, Heidi remembered. He just hugged me and said, I just want to make sure that you're happy here and that this is a successful chapter. We're not always going to be here. She said that moment helped her realize how much he loved her. Can you imagine being the officer who found this crazy woman dressed in pink staying on an on-ramp? Takes her back, goes, lady, lady, just just get in the car. It's going to be okay. And she's crying. And you you finally manage to relate with her on a human level. 
She says, thank you. You put her in. She sits in the front seat. And you say, it's fine. It, this At the end of the night, this is all going to be fine. And you take her back to... You know, wait, wait, wait. You take her back to the, the, I, the precinct. And and she's she's you, you give her the shock jacket that people put on, and it's a little too long. It comes to the middle of her palm. And she's drinking a hot cocoa. And you go, trust me, you're, you're not going to believe how much this one night doesn't matter to your overall life. You're going to be okay. And as you say that... Ted Cruz walks in like, where's my bitch? <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking of this. As someone has escaped from Ted Cruz's lair, she's, she's disheveled, she's confused, she's horrified at, her, at what's happened to her. She's wandering down the highway. The police pick her up and just take her back home to Ted. It- you know what's darker is I imagine the police didn't even register. Oh, it's another rich white lady in the suburbs talking about killing herself. Yeah, sure, whatever. And then Ted Cruz walked through the door. It was a challenging time. This is Ted Cruz now. It was a challenging time because she was struggling with having given up a professional post that was very meaningful to her. Yeah, we get it. (laughs) But we came through that process and actually came closer together. He said they never considered leaving Texas. Oh, I bet. I bet Heidi never considered it. Shortly thereafter, on a friend's Mm. suggestion... Heidi signed up for a Catholic spiritual retreat, in case you forgot they're conservative. Much of that weekend was cathartic. Rarely had she articulated aloud her trouble coping with the move. Blah, blah, blah. The retreat would ultimately help her guide her future as a political spouse. Great. That's what Catholic retreats are for. Uh, Okay, so she's talking to the old Haitian lady. Heidi told her about the small things that had guttered her since she arrived in Texas. There Very was, normal. Okay. There was the time the new neighbors went starry-eyed at the Harvard diplomas hanging in the foyer. Oh, your husband went to Harvard? Isn't that so great? You must be so proud of him. Heidi mimicked them saying, and I was like, that's my diploma. Oh, Heidi. Feeling that patriarchy, huh? And there were bigger things, too. At the retreat, she felt selfish for mourning a job change when others were grieving, for example, the loss of a child. Yeah, you probably should. Yeah, fair, fair. I mean, I mean, she has had terrible tragedy strike her life in living like that car. Like, just like that truck could have run her down on a highway and it would have all be over. He would have gotten some sympathy. He would have gotten sympathy votes. He would have married one of his like 15 mistresses. Like <laughs> the two kids would have been fine. They'd just be they'd just be drugged up and just dumped into some into some like do nothing like schools until they got college degrees and given like jobs with like goldman sachs in like the mail room being paid like 80 grand a year it would have been like there she would have been fine she would have been free so the counselor says i can tell you have an amazing husband and you both will have an impact on this country she said god is going to use you not ted not just ted you're part of this Not team just for Ted. a reason. You'll be exploited by several people that you don't quite understand or like. God's going to use you to do something beyond yourself. You just let God take you to Texas. You let him take you wherever because there's something bigger than you now. Yeah, also even, let Ted Cruz take you wherever even, while you're at Even when Catholics Boca- are offering advice, it sounds rapey as fuck. It sounds like Boko Haram. <laughs> Jesus. Boko Haram? Haram. Uh, no, I don't no, know. leave that in. Leave that in. That's great. Bro, bro right. okay, are, cool. are you even a radical Islamist <laughs> or not? Because Brett vouched for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm open to all kinds of terrorism. Yeah, so is Heidi. Anyway, back to it. All right, so we're, we're back to her uh, heading to Liberty. 
university. This is so insane because she actually like she was like, I just had a breakdown. I can't do this. Like I'm my own person. Ted only cares about himself. And then they got back. There was a police report. They're like, we real. This is the breaking point. And somehow the outcome was go to a Catholic retreat where they teach you how to be a better passive political spouse. This is dark. Yeah. All this makes me like Heidi and not like Ted Cruz. If you want to know where the crazy Catholic, like why all the crazy Catholic judges are so insane, this is why. They literally have re-education camps if you start to resist the leash. Okay, so she's going back to liberty. It's not as though she believed her counselor was a seer. Nothing kooky like that. But she couldn't help but feel that a prophecy of sorts was being fulfilled. On those pages, she read of a woman. So she's reading her old entries and she starts crying. Uh, so, yeah, I, I bet. So joining the campaign hadn't been easy because she switched to Goldman. At Goldman, she'd found purchase in an office that valued her, not as Ted Cruz's wife. But her work is the co-head of the Southwest, Southwest Region for Private Wealth Management, leading an She's, office of 35 people. I never thought I'd she say had, this, but somehow that Goldman bullet point is the most humanizing thing about her. And I'm sad that she lost it. No, no, no. They're trying to humanize her more. She had friends. She had favorite restaurants. Oh, well. Not anymore, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She knew that to be. This is as as opposed to Ted, of course. Like, I mean, I imagine at some point the author has talked to Ted and realized that he had no answer. Yeah, all of Ted's friends can be printed on a pillow for $19.99. I realized early on that if I didn't do this for my own reasons and I did it to help Ted, that I could very easily resent everybody, she said. I'm just can, okay. That right there says she knows that everything she does for Ted increases her resentment. Yep. And yet the answer is cope better with that reality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a Catholic marriage. She needed, in other words, to Ooh, find the, something bigger than herself. And so now the super sympathetic part of Heidi is about to die for you. All right, let's go. For the most part, Heidi sees eye to eye with her husband on policy. She lauded the former senator of South Carolina, Jim DeMint, a Tea Party leader, for spurring a conservative movement rooted in principles over partisanship. Tea Party, known for not being partisan. Sure. He was willing to go into the country and not say who can win, but who should win, she told me. And that just gives me chills. She admired Ted for following DeMint's footsteps, especially at a time when, she lamented, fewer and fewer Americans seem to understand the Constitution. Free speech, religious liberty, gun rights, all sorts of other bullshit conservatives talk about. There just weren't a ton of families talking about that at the dinner table anymore. The campaign, she concluded, would allow her to personally urge a return to this vision of America. She believed that as president, Ted could bring this vision to life. Heidi. Heidi. So, so is this when she broke into that Hellfire song from Hunchback in Notre <laughs> Dame? I'm just, I'm just trying to tie this back into the Disney thing. That one's a, That's an amazing song. And also, really great for Catholics. Out there featuring Ted Cruz. <laughs> and out there living amongst the sin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, leaving her job for her husband would be different this time around. Of this, Heidi was certain. She thought through the campaign, the ways the campaign trail would be painful. The scrutiny. The suitcases. Why, why the Every fuck are the part suitcases of this, painful? Her name swapped for his lovely wife. Oh, it's, this it's is amazing. just an abusive relationship. She, I can't even. I, I'm. She's, I want, de- she's describing the 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 system of patriarchy and toxicity that exists in the conservatives that they they seek to replicate and enhance 
And she's like, yeah, so I bought in hard and try to continue it. Well, I bought in hard to the, the capitalist bullshit Goldman Sachs uh, money over everything thing. And then I transitioned to the, the hardcore capitalist. A woman supports her man no matter what, even if he is fucking almost constantly talking about how Gohan was stronger than Goku. And uh, <laughs> both those things, it turns out, sucks. This is a tragic story and makes me like Heidi. So I guess mission accomplished, author. But she'd signed on for her own reasons, it seemed. For her own reasons, it seemed endurable. I think feeling empowered through different chapters of your life is so important. Sometimes you can do that by being deliberate, she told me. Like a spouse could have gone into the presidential campaign and said, I didn't choose this, my husband did, and now we've lost, we're in a different place. I wish it hadn't done this. Heidi was determined to avoid that fate. That is exactly what happened, just so we're all on the same page. Yeah, nobody also ever does that. There's never like John Edwards' spouse goes like, boy, this blew up in my face. That's not a thing. She's talking about something that's not a thing to be more okay with the thing that is her sad, horrible life. Heidi may not have joined the campaign exclusively for Ted, but she was a boon to his image all the same. Heidi, or Ted took pride in alienating himself from colleagues during the primary campaign. Pitching it's actually really cool that no one talks to me in public because that just means I'm the smartest guy around. Pitching his impassioned intra-party spats as something like martyrdom. But Heidi was there to make friends. She dressed the couple's politics in poise and tact. So this is where I start to hate her. Don't, don't make the evil seem palatable. She wielded the strategic charm of a valley girl, like, as one Republican fundraiser told the Washington Post, it was often Heidi, not her husband, who edged undecided vote donors their way. They said, well, if he's married to her. And he hasn't killed her it yet. It was satisfying for her. I'd go into events and people would be like, oh, you're so gracious, she remembered. I don't know that I'm gracious, but going through that campaign, I knew that I had done a great job and made a great impression. There were downs, Can you imagine having the strategic charm of a valley girl and that being your strongest trait? Days when being on just wasn't all that fun. When some, even someone, so there were downs, even someone as intentional as Heidi would find herself asking, to what end? You cannot prepare to run for president, she told me. You can't prepare to be told on the flight, oh, sorry, last minute. You're going to have to have a meeting with a bunch of pastors at the hot dog stand in Des Moines, Iowa airport, and they're going to ask you about your husband's spiritual life. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> six, four, six. <laughs> also also timeline she tried to kill herself before this she, this didn't cause it i mean that's the weirdest expletive i've ever heard she exclaimed she actually said the what word expletive said? what do you think they said though oh wait she actually said expletive. yes the, the author, yeah, the oh, author puts it she, there for you she used the word expletive she she has never sworn in her life heidi dial nine one one right now wherever you are just 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 blink in morse code and uh we'll, we'll read it and we'll we'll get the message it, and we'll get you out of there if we you're will, a journalist you. if you're a journalist and someone says boy this expletive is crazy and you don't immediately say hi right, follow-up question did you just mean shit then actually that's on the fourth state agreed this is where her daughter realizes the patriarchy is the devil the cruise's oldest daughter caroline who was seven when the campaign started was skeptical about her decision to leave Goldman to, quote, help dad. I tried to articulate, you know, it's actually for the country. It's a much bigger project than ourselves. And she wanted to know if we won, was the first lady paid? Are you going to get that paper? When Cruz told her no, Caroline paused before answering. 
That's a bad deal for you, Hydra recalled her, saying. We shouldn't do this. Yeah, Caroline. <laughs> it's a real shitty deal for women. You are correct. Listen to the children. I'm not sure whether his conversation happened word for word with her daughter. It may more accurately reflect one Heidi had with herself. Yeah, you think? Throughout our time together, <laughs> she was adamant that her philosophy of intentionality was fail-safe. Because she has to be. Otherwise, she's going to spiral into a fucking depression. If someone shouted a mean comment at her during a rally, well, that was fine, because this wasn't about her anyway. Jesus Christ. I'm so, not mad. So I'm not massive, mad mods. I'm not mad. disassociation. Oh, Jesus. God. What, what, kind of, what kind of pill regimen do you think she's been on? It's, this is just intolerable. This is like the shit you tell a kid who's bullied in the second grade, where it's like, well, have they taken the time to get to know you? No, they haven't. Well, then they're making fun of someone where they don't even know the real you. But she's a grown woman who succeeded before she ever met Ted Cruz. So, You know, one actually slightly humanizing thing in all this, it doesn't sound like they had a nanny. It sounds like she was actually raising her kids to an extent. Sounds like Heidi like Cruz. She actually, she, actually, she actually knew her, her, like, her kid's name and well enough to hold a conversation with her. Like, that actually seems pretty good for, like, what I was expecting out of this, which was... Like, just not, just only her showing up for, like, photo ops. Agreed. Uh, one more line about the disassociation, and then I'll skip a bit. Quote, it was as if this whole campaign game was happening to another person, she said. Yep. Very uh, normal. That's what most people think about when they're having a great time with their loving husband. So now we're going to talk about when Trump started harassing her. Uh, so they published a photo. There was Melania Trump, airbrushed, ethereal, her cheekbones contoured to Kardashian-esque depths. Fuck ethereal. you, writer. Fuck you, writer. Fuck you for the Kardashian-esque part. Or, or the fact where she is ethereal, like a heavenly being, fading in a translucence like the seraphim and reigning over all of us supreme with a divinity that is perfectly celestial. Yeah, that's definitely what I get from that Eastern European mail-order bride that Trump happened to most recently fucking put in the White House. But, and continue. I, I, gotta, I gotta say, this is the point, like, as I was reading through this article, I was just pausing and just going oof to myself every... Just about every paragraph. And I think this was about the point where I oofed hard enough that I paged down once or twice and just kind of just had to get down. Where are you at where you're being compared to Melania Trump, but you're the subordinate of the two? So next to this airbrushed one, then there was Heidi Cruz, caught mid-sentence in a grainy screenshot. The aesthetic hide to Melania's Jekyll. Fuck you. Fuck you, writer, for that. Fuck you. Her, her cheeks full of cotton balls. At the time, so Trump, what, the implication was clear. My wife is hotter than yours. Yeah, we, we all got the implication. And then he talk, starts talking about how, how insanely disciplined this lady was. In case you were curious what ladder climbers' schedules are, uh, she works out every morning, usually around 5.15, 20 minutes of a hard run, and then some other crossfit, uh, CrossFit things. She does a little it, lifting, a little in the Smith machine, just going like, fuck you, Ted, as she hits max reps. She doesn't usually eat dinner or desserts, even though she loves ice cream. If you put a whole pack of sweet and low in tea, she had advised, it'll sort of freak your body out and you get beyond sugar cravings. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, she's got to come to our pro anatox. Heidi, we'll sign you up. Don't worry. Uh, but she really stressed the photo didn't bother her. Yeah, okay. She was able to regard the situation rationally, just like her husband. 
These things don't bother Ted. He's not saying, oh, I feel so bad they think my wife's ugly. You're so pretty, Heidi. You're not ugly, she said. He's like, ha, that was the worst move he's ever made. Here's, here's the other little dark bit. She remembers, she remembers where that photo was taken from. A screen grab from an interview with Fox News anchor Dana Perino. And, who, and she immediately scolded herself for doing the interview because she knew that her hair needed highlighting that day, that it wasn't camera ready. And then she just told her assistant that. Of course, she has an assistant. How much? Yeah, please. This is, oh, oh, this is a nightmare. Let's get to, let's get to I've the, already the decided na- that I like Heidi Cruz. I've already decided that she is someone that I relate to. She's, she's probably posting on the same Reddit spaces that I am. Heidi Cruz seems cool, and I, I, someone needs to extract her. Okay, so National Enquirer story. Uh, based entirely on rumor and innuendo, it alleged that Heidi's husband had five secret mistresses. It featured blurred photos of the women. Uh, Planted by Ted Cruz himself. And so Ted claims it's a tabloid smear, and it's a smear that's come from Donald Trump and his henchmen. Trump, who's close friends with the tabloid's publisher, denied having anything to do with the story. Yeah, okay, sure, we all believe that. Heidi told me she oh literally laughed when so, she first learned of it. So I, I'm with Heidi on this one. Ted's fucking other women? <laughs> no way. Yeah, like if, if, if you actually read the article, uh, uh, t- t- this is how Heidi knew is because when she read the article, she said that uh, uh, Ted Cruz's supposed five other paramours uh, were Gendo Akari, Ritsuko Akagi, <laughs> Kozo Fuyatsuki, Ryojo Kaji, Makado Hyogi, and the other main characters of Neon Genesis Evangelion. And so she talks about they joked about it, and she, but then she saw it at the grocery store, and she said, "This is actually." And Asuka Langley was actually fucking him, and she went, L- "Oh no!" Like this is really a thing. It hasn't bothered me, but now I'm seeing this. Do you think people read this? Do you think people believe this? So she still doesn't think Ted's fucking anyone because that's obviously laughable. But she's frustrated. Do you think Ray Anayami is actually alive? And then Re- watch an anime sometime. What am I doing here? <laughs> on May 3rd, 2016, as his wife and daughters looked on, Ted dropped out of the race. Reflecting on that night, Heidi said, I don't know that I even shed a tear. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's the most believable thing you've said, Heidi. All right. So then it just starts describing their ridiculous home and everything. And then the house, the career, the girls, the dog named Snowflake nosing at her feet. Take this scene in isolation, and Heidi Cruz does look like a woman who's figured out how to have it all. Take this scene yeah. in isolation, and Heidi Cruz looks like she might even believe it too. So, so after she got make, back they from the campaign, seem, they make her seem like a POW. So after she got back from the campaign, she imitated questions people would ask about her in a whisper: Are they upset about the campaign? What's Ted going to do next? Is she still working? And they're actually unsettling, she said. When you're in your mid-40s and people are asking, are you still working? And are your kids going back to school? You're like, uh, yeah. Are you okay with that? Exact quote. Work helped ease her into rhythm again. She was promoted to a new national role upon returning to Goldman, in case you were feeling sympathy for her. It was nice, she said, to go back to her competitive world and have her husband go back to his. Basically, get, get rid of that fucker. Yeah, I'm sure no one at Goldman Sachs was like, Hey, yo, Heidi, um, what do you think about these projections? And also, what's Ted Cruz's dick like? I'm sure it was just a dream all the way through. There was some anxiety during the general election, she admitted. What, I, what did I talk to Ted about was if we support him and he ends up not being a conservative, not appointing conservative justices, not doing tax reform, are we part of a damaging decision in history? Yeah, Heidi, that seems like the real big concern here. Is he going to be evil enough for us? 
It was Ted, she said, who insisted Trump pull only from the Federalist Society's list when nominating Supreme Court justices. Thanks, Ted. In Heidi's view, her husband has kept his integrity intact. So she's justifying how they voted for this piece of shit afterwards because their real concern was that Trump would just be like some bloviating douchebag who wouldn't actually destroy the country. But they were, they were on it. How how long is this article? I have sushi coming in like 15 minutes. Don't worry, I, I'm, I'm And I don't want to have to delay gratification to hear more about how Heidi Cruz is living her worst possible life despite having all the money in the world. I think I'm going to cry after we get off this. I think I'm literally just going to go sit, have a drink, and just feel sad. If your intent about, was to make me relate to Heidi Cruz, then my God, you've done it, and I don't know what award to nominate you for. <laughs> Uh, so th- at this point, they remember that like Ted is actually running for his life in an election right now. Um, it may be Heidi's way of avoiding one truth she's learned as they're talking about the current election. Uh, she's learned as a political spouse that this life only gets harder as it goes on. Another term in the Senate means six more years her husband won't live at home. That sounds pretty nice for Heidi. Yeah, so she's, like, ticking those boxes off. It means more family conversations about why dad can't make it to school on Wednesday for the meet and greet with Caroline's new teachers. Like those kids don't understand. It means Heidi is working 70-hour weeks, not only because she wants to, but also because she has to. No, you do not need to work 70 hours at Goldman Sachs. You have enough fucking money already. Fuck you, Heidi. She has to not be in that house. Ted Cruz has been in that house. Ted Cruz has never been to that Goldman Sachs office. It is clean. It is free. Here she starts edging into the truth again. I'd really feel mission-driven on what he's accomplishing. <laughs> That's a fucking nonsense term, sure. But it, takes, it does take some support of this, you know? Six to seven years in it with me being the primary breadwinner, it's like, uh, yeah, this is when people say thank you. I'll now take that appreciation. She laughed. Yeah, we're seven years into this, and we're not buying a second home anytime soon. Oh. Could she communicate <laughs> any clearer that she hates him, she hates her just dipshit children that look half like Ted Cruz. She would spend a thousand hours at Goldman Sachs every week. Were time able to accommodate such? Do you think she can feel happiness? Yeah, I like. I mean, not not, yes. not for a moment, but like sustained. Like, I mean, I can't. Ted so I don't know if gone, I believe. If, if like, go ahead. I was going to say, if they, if like if like the Republicans come up and said, "Hey, you know, you're actually the likable one," the Democrats. Those fucking dipshits want to run you for, like, lieutenant governor of Texas or something and then just put her in charge and just had her, like, running things. Would she be happy or would she just be there? She'd be happier because she's operating based off of hunger for power. No, I think at this point, like, because she's clearly hitched her wagon to Ted Cruz and realized, like, this is not going to bring me any more power. I, I really think, like, if she could just put on some music and do some spreadsheets for eight hours a day. Like, oh, no, that we're might not be happiness. It, sure. But that wouldn't be happiness. But at least it wouldn't be Ted Cruz fucking her while talking about how Cowboy Bebop has the best possible score. It does, though. Ted's right. Hey, he is. I got to agree with him there. All right. So we're, we're, we're nearing the end. This is actually this this good because me... it's been like two hours and I can't think about <laughs> yeah oh my god I this can't is... think about Heidi Cruz anymore I this get is, it is this where I actually get a tiny bit of sympathy for Ted Cruz which is amazing no. I asked Ted whether he thinks his wife is happy now in Houston um I think 
Sure, he said after taking a couple beats. I think she has another pause. A professional life that has been very rewarding. Uh, Which she had in New York. Yeah, why does that make you think Ted Cruz is good? Because there was actually a moment of self-awareness there, which I didn't think he was possible. it was possible for him to have. Yeah, no, that's the thing about Ted Cruz is he's had self-awareness the whole time since his oh. fucking wife was wearing a pink shirt, standing out on an on-ramp like someone trying to sell psilocybin to whoever drives by. Like, he knows what he's doing and he does it anyway. So no sympathy for Ted Cruz, sympathy for Heidi Cruz who's just doing her best despite the circumstances and somehow is the one person that makes Goldman Sachs seem sympathetic by relation. Also, just to be clear, this woman is an incredibly successful, powerful woman who is choosing this life. At any moment, she could bail back to New York, make way more money, and go back to the life she actually wants. So sympathy only extends so far here. Yeah, but, but she she is more successful than her husband, despite having to pretend she's less successful than her husband. Like, oh, significant. Being the solicitor general of Texas just requires you being like the three fifths compromise. Uh, I'd do it. That already <laughs> gets you elected. It's the most low effort position you could possibly have. And she just outpaced him, and now has to pretend like everything he's done has been low key better. Like, I don't I don't know what we're doing here. I'm an hour and fifty minutes, and we're still talking about Heidi. Please. Maybe she'll want to run for office herself someday. She's not not interested, she said, grinning like a woman who very much is. Being at the Treasury Department was a dream for me. And I was just I'm not not interested in owning my husband at the very thing that he prizes most, said a normal person in a healthy relationship. And to do that at higher levels, I love that route, no doubt, she said. But she do just fine in the campaign trail too. I can do the retail politics thing pretty well now. And then she talks about how much she misses New York. She's she's literally the coastal elite that everyone bitches about. This is Heidi. The rest of it is her talking about cities that she misses, and it's New York and L.A. and London. Heidi Cruz, ladies and gentlemen. Is it over? It's over. I hate this. I hate <laughs> this. Is it fucking over? <laughs> Didn't realize I was signing up for two hours of Heidi Cruz talk. Can I please leave? I, I have delivery <laughs> Yes, one's a Barbara Bush uh, podcast that next week. Nah, but uh, she can get it, though. Come on. Barbara Bush is thick. Oh, boy. I'm glad I could subject you guys to that. Howdy, Cruz, everybody.